the labor shortage, it's on everyone's mind. Warehouses are struggling to find permanent workers to fill even high-paying entry-level jobs. And going into peak season, well, warehouses are getting desperate for seasonal help. Consumers want their packages next day, by Christmas, right now. If we can't find enough workers to do the job, there's gotta be a better way. Luckily for us, there is. Today, we're talking automated solutions for solving the seasonal and long-term labor shortage. Please join us. Hello, and welcome to Geek Speak, the logistics automation podcast. I'm Sarah Gomez, host of the show and social media manager here at Geek Plus. I'm excited to be joined by two knowledgeable guests. In the studio with me today, we have Andrew Matsui, Head of Key Account Success for Geek Plus Global. Welcome back, Andrew. Hi, Sarah. It's, uh, it's nice to be back. And joining us from the UK, we have Simon Houghton, Head of Sales and Marketing for Geek Plus UK and Ireland. Yeah, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone, wherever you're in the world. So, gentlemen, as you know, we're in the middle of a global labor shortage, the worst shortage in 80 years, and the future only looks worse. Warehousing, manufacturing, and the supply chain are predicted to be the sector's hardest hit in the future. In the U.S. alone, there will be 2 million unfilled jobs in manufacturing by 2030, and that's not far away. But still, I hear the same line from people, robots are taking our jobs. But there's an abundance of jobs, so why the disconnect? Um, and Simon, maybe you can start off and, and tell us what's going on. Uh, yeah, I think we're, we're seeing um, this on pretty much a daily basis uh, with, with, our, with our potential customers, customers, uh, whether they be running and operating their own warehouse or uh, using a logistics contract logistics service, um, yeah, labour is is a huge issue, and um, certainly we're finding that uh, robots and automation are definitely not taking jobs. It's just not the people there to do the jobs in the first place. Well, to be to be very blunt and very simple about this, I think robots. The thing that they are good about is doing repetitive work uh, over and over and over again. And, and doing um, accurate and uh, repetitive work. And these are things that humans don't need to actually do. Just doing these kind of repetitive work and just uh, is, is not, you know, is not any, is not adding value to anybody's life anymore. Um, but I think this is where uh, we're at that break, break point where uh, technology is able to uh, conduct that accurately and repetitively, uh, but with a very cheaper price tag. And I think, you know, the, that's that's uh, the whole gist of this situation. That's a good point, Andrew. The, uh, that repetitive work we're seeing, you know, we, we, we know that um, one, to come in as an employee and, and do that repetitive work, it's not a particularly fulfilling job. Um, so one, the, the, it's hard to get those employees. Two, they're costing more. And, and three, I would say the retention of those employees in, in doing the menial tasks, moving stuff around the warehouse um, is even more difficult. So there's a, there's a very much a, a continual flow of getting, trying to get people to, to do those jobs. So I think what we're seeing with, by putting in uh, automation systems and AMR automation systems is that the employees who are the continual employees, their roles have improved um, and they are, 
dedicating to perhaps more productive roles. So we're seeing some sites <clears throat> which have added value services. So they're selling luxury goods and they need to be packed in a, in a very special way, which can't be automated. And you're adding on sort of tissue and flowers or whatever in the box. And, uh, you know, that, 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 that sort of process, you know, can't be automated. But it, when it's, it's sort of given the hand-packed touch, um, then that makes a difference. And this is what we're seeing, you know, going towards automation, that those oper- operators can do a little, lot more productive role. In, in, all, in all seriousness, um, uh, companies are not firing people. Right. They have an, usually they have an obligation or they have a sense of obligation towards their community. They've been there for a very long time and they uh, they are a, a, a job producer of that region. And they can't really just lay off a uh, hundred, hundred people, you know, 200 people just because they're uh, transitioning to a new operation model. What they do is they actually, you know, like Simon said earlier, he they will um, create val- additional value and additional additional products, additional services that can be uh, that can be handled by those people, and there there becomes another um, another way of working, which is to manage the robots instead of managing people instead of instead of working yourself, you are now managing the robots and you're now managing the outputs of robots. It is making, you know, operation more comfortable for people. They don't need to walk. They don't need to do labor intensive jobs. They can stay in one place. It's going to be more or less air conditioning, air conditioned, hot or cold. Um, it's going to be very well lit. Everything is going to be done, designed ergonomically. It will be comfortable, but um, I think the thing is everyone is actually just kind of transitioning to a separate part of the warehouse. Instead of doing the picking itself, they're doing more gift wrapping. They're doing, um, they're learning about technology and, and how to uh, utilize it in a warehouse operation. They're more taking care of more of the manual operation, which previously wasn't, you know, people couldn't look at because it was, so spread out, but with automation, they can actually um, they can actually concentrate the manual labor to a, a certain area of the warehouse where it can be more strictly managed, where it can be more um, um, carefully managed, and and elevate the quality of the output there as well as the quality of envir- work environment for the people working there. So, I mean. You know, there are multiple ways to kind of approach this question. As a human race, we, we're, we're, we're always looking to not do the menial tasks, the repetitive tasks. Um, you know, you look back over the last, last sort of few hundred years and the Industrial Revolution and, you know, um, farming and the way it used to be done and, you know, not mechanical assistance. So, you know, automation... Um, is always going to be around and we're always going to look for ways to make our lives easier as a, as a, as, as a human race. Um, you know, um, whether it's a mini kitchen, you, you have your dishwasher, you know, yeah, you can, you can stand there for half an hour and wash all your dishes, but if you've got a machine to do it, which probably will save money in the long run and save water, then, you know, that helps, that improves your life. Um, and, uh, you know, if if walking around the warehouse for 10, 15, 
20 miles, kilometers a day in a job and all that's that repetitive task doing it day in, day out, you know, it's not going to be your dream job and you're probably going to do it for a couple of weeks and then think, well, I'll move on to something else. So robots obviously taking that task away with that, that, that rolled away, which is, is um, we, we, we were clear about. However, the people left in the warehouse, which, which uh, Andrew talked about, those roles are changing and, um, you know, you'd be getting, you're getting new roles appearing as well. So you'll have, you know, sort of robotic service engineers and, and people who experience with, with managing robots and things. And all of a sudden they're getting a new skill, which maybe they wouldn't have in a traditional manual warehouse environment. Um, so, yeah, there are new jobs being created as well, not just jobs being removed, I'd say. Coming up on peak season, where we're talking double the sales and double the demand, at least warehouses need the labor. So what happens if we can't find it? Um, yeah, just talking about peak. Um, so obviously we're coming into to the peak from a lot of businesses, certainly e-com, um, you know, beginning of November. Uh, we get into uh, Singles Day 11-11, uh, Black Friday um, towards the end of November, and then obviously into Christmas. So what, what we, we certainly with a lot of e-commerce businesses we, we're seeing is that uh, obviously during this time, business triples or or even more than that, there's there's significant increase in orders for a short period of time you know we're talking two or three months um so what does the what do the businesses do in manual operations they throw more people at it um so one of the benefits i guess what we're seeing with with amr automation is is there are options you can design a system around average peak um but you can easily get hold of extra robots for that um that peak only, so you can design the system around the max peak, but they don't have to have that capital investment uh, from day one. So there's a lot of flexibility there. Uh, it varies from country to country what, what we can offer uh, as, as a company, but I, I know um, that's a big appeal for AMR automation is, is that flexibility to, to scale uh, during peak. Uh, scale up and scale down um, without the need of extra capital investment. So uh, I, I think um, huge, huge benefit. And, uh, you know, as I said right just before, that if you're struggling getting labour now, when you come into peak, it's going to get, it's getting harder and harder. Uh, local, local problem for the UK, we've had uh, obviously COVID, but we also had Brexit, which is the UK left the EU and there's a lot of the uh, Eastern European, uh, which used to work in the UK, they've, they're now not in the UK. Um, so, you know, where's that labour coming from? At the moment, it, in a lot of areas, it doesn't exist. So what happens with that? Well, you've got your keep with your same labour force with more orders uh, and you take longer to get those orders out. So then you're, the consumer satisfaction for that, for that, for your particular product range or brand decreases because instead of getting it next day, you're getting it in two, three days or even longer, in some cases during peak, which everyone has a buying frenzy over peak. And normally when you buy something, you want it quick, um, you know, ideally next day, uh, if not sometimes sooner. So that's the problems which are going to arise without looking at automation. I think for, um, for peak season, it's a little special because it's not an ideal thing. It's it's a must, I, I think. Like, for instance, you've, if you get, like, a box that you ordered, uh, like, a week ago um, or something, uh, even a day or two ago, um, on the 26th, 
of December, then that just kind of like makes it a little, you know, a little meaningless. So the service levels required um, from the end customer and from the end, from market uh, towards these peak seasons are, you know, definitely much, much, much higher than what, what um, operations are usually used to. And it's just, it's just, um, it's just a really big pain just to kind of really make sure that we're, you're delivering uh, to those standards accurately um, during peak season without automation. I think, like, for instance, I, I, I think I mentioned um, accuracy as one of the robot's uh, best benefits, but that's, that's actually a very big contributor because uh, during peak season, what happens is, you know, you have thousands of orders coming in and you, you need to do thousands and ten thousands, hundred thousands of picking a day. And we're just people. So people make mistakes. And uh, we uh, usually operations have uh, a lot of uh, safety nets to try to uh, mitigate that or reduce that. But, you know, uh, the truth is you can't you know, reduce it to zero. It's never zero percent. So there's always some child out there crying uh, that they got some some weird, weird uh, Barbie doll instead of, a uh, uh, you know, instead of a Ken or something. And uh, I guess. You know, that's 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 the point. That's why we want to uh, automate. And that's why we want to make sure that these warehouses, which are more and more increasingly year over year, becoming a pivotal part of our daily lives. Like nobody thought of ordering online a couple of uh, a decade ago. But nowadays it's it's it, you it's an everyday thing. You order something every day. And it's just, you know, maybe I'm talking outside of peak season as well, but uh definitely over um not just about profit or anything it's just because it's the world is going to that direction um automation is going to be more and more of a must let's dig deeper into automated solutions for peak does automation handle the demand surges better than a traditional system of course yeah it, it's uh Typically, what we've seen in a, in a manual warehouse operation is 50% uh, of the operator's time is spent in transit, walking around, pushing a, a trolley or a truck around, um, and that's dead time. Um, that also can create, you know, tiredness. The, the, you, know, you hear these stories, uh, documentaries, where manual, work, manual pickers are walking sort of 10, 15 miles a day, you know, every single day. And, of course, it gets to the point where... They become tired. They make mistakes, and there's accidents. You know, when you when you've got lots of people wandering around in the aisles, along with uh, material handling equipment, you know, trucks and so on. The, you know, obviously that can create accidents. So accuracy, accidents, and obviously time wasted. So um, certainly, robotic automation aims to take that transit piece out. So in other words, the robots are bringing the goods to the person uh, and putting those goods away as well, uh, and also even you want to do an inventory check, the, the robots will bring the robots to you as well so you can do an inventory check. So that 50% time makes huge differences, huge gains. Um, potentially, you could run a site with maybe 70% less uh, employees than, than necessary to run the same site or even more in, with some of the new automation solutions. Um, or keep the same workforce, but as your business is growing, um, do three to six times more productivity out of that same site 
Um, and what we've seen certainly over the last few years, and it doesn't seem to be changing, is that is that there's the trend obviously for e-com. Um, during COVID, we all sat at home ordering online because we couldn't get out to the, the stores that are either shut. And I think that habit has stuck with a lot of people. So, you know, for a warehouse traditionally, uh, which was maybe set up to do store delivery, so it would be one out of box with 25 items, that was one pick. Now with Ecom, uh, it's 25 individual picks, you know, piece picking effectively. So that obviously creates more work, more trips around the warehouse and obviously this is where automation can play a huge part not just to help save labor uh improve pick accuracy um less errors improve safety um and there's some ancillary savings as well you know normally the storage area doesn't need to be lit uh, so you can work on sort of lights off uh doesn't need to be heated um so um the operators the pickers can be remaining in one particular spot um, which could be lit, lit and heated and then a nice environment. So they're in a nice environment. So you potentially there's a better employee retention as well. Um, so, yeah, loads of benefits, really. And we're, we're, seeing, <clears throat> we're seeing this across the board now uh, going towards automation. Just to kind of add to that perspective, I, I think like in a real case study, I think um, if, if like a 3PL or a business, right, if they were doing like 50, 50% um, you know, labor cost was 50% of their entire, um, you know, operation cost. And they were getting like 45% of, you know, other, other, other costs, you know, uh, rent, et cetera. They would, they would basically have like 5% of, of profit per operation. But if we, we, we have like a 10% increase in labor, you know, labor costs, right. Which we are seeing, Year, you know, year over year, uh, labor, labor cost wages are rising every year. 10%, that would mean that that would be a 55%. That would actually delete the entire profit for a, a, for a business. That would actually make it 0% profit for, uh, for a 3PL. And I think that is, that is a big uh, motivator towards, you know, this kind of stuff um, where it's not just about, um, getting people and just doing the work, even if you do the work, if you, even if you're fit, able to finish the work, you're not able to make profit. And as a business, you're, it's not sustainable uh, anymore. And uh, I, I guess, I guess uh, AMRs and these flexible uh, next generation automa uh, automation material handling equipment, these are actually contributing to not only just kind of alleviating and making that situation better towards um, the, the profitability of a business, but also creating um, more benefits towards workers in terms of social commitments and, you know, the, the work environment, et cetera. So I, I think, you know, now is just a really good time. It just makes sense that uh, this type of technology comes in and uh, just kind of fills the void where it's, it's needed. But some businesses have some automation. They have a good-to-person system in, but doesn't mean that they can't get more savings of, of fees, productivity improvements uh, by perhaps, in, perhaps adding AMR solutions as an add-on. And I always perhaps compare uh, with sort of Olympians and the training and, you know, how are they getting that extra tenth of a second 
when they run a track and it's a lot of it's through marginal gains. It's making little tweaks to the, maybe their schedule, their training, just doing little tweaks here and there. And collectively, those little tweaks can result in, you know, the win, the gold medal um, and everything else. And, and, you know, I'd look at a warehouse process in the same way as, as you know, look for those little improvements. Where can you gain? Obviously, start with the, the big changes, the big gains, uh, which are going to save the business money, business money overnight. Um, but then thinking about routing to the goods to person system, how are you moving goods around? Um, once you've picked the goods, uh, routing to the pack area. Uh, once you've packed the goods, uh, routing to the dispatch area. And potentially all of those uh, little areas can be fixed with AMR solutions. And the, the great thing is it doesn't need to be hugely expensive to do so. Um, but so I think that's probably a good point to to, uh, to take away from this is, you know, take a look at the operation. Um, and, I, you know, I'm sure even the most advanced operations that the, there are potential for little, little gains or marginal gains, which will help the overall profitability of the business. Maybe some people who are listening today know they need a solution for peak or to handle the shifts in buyer habits like an influx in e-com orders. But they're also considering a fixed infrastructure solution. Could you talk about the differences between flexible AMRs and fixed infrastructure solutions? For the deployment of these systems, typically you'd be designing something today and getting it in two years. 18 months, two years is the typical lead time for automation system. So going back to that point, if you know your business storage requirement, throughput requirement isn't going to change in two years' time and you want a very fast, reliable uh, automation system, then it's a, it's, it's poss- it's a possible option. Um, however, what we've seen in the last few years, we don't know what's around the corner. And no matter how stable the business, things change. You know, So I've got um, a particular example where <clears throat> big major retailer here in the UK, very well known, they put an automation system in, um, went live recently, Lots of money, tens of millions of pounds to do it. Uh, and that was designed around more store distribution. So talking about full case picking. Uh, however, and that was probably when their business was 50-50, 50% e-com, 50% uh, store. Um, that's shifted now. The, the industry's changed and they're probably 70-30 towards e-com. So that system all um, yeah, it's still usable, but it's not fulfilling everything. So that same customer is now looking at uh, buffer storage solutions to help with that econ pick, that live pick, because it's not the store pick anymore. So I, I think that's, you know, if there's any doubt whatsoever about um, where your business is going to go in a couple of years, look for, look for an AMR type solution because you can get a quick fix. It's deployed quickly. Uh, obviously, the efficiency gains we talked about earlier on over manual um, and um, the cost is significantly lower to, to, de- to deploy. So um, I think that's probably one point to, to take away from that. Basically, I think when I, when I hear the word flexibility, I hear, I think, um, two, two layers. One will be the operation layer. Uh, well, actually, the throughput layer where you want to really have a flexibility some slack towards increasing or decreasing your operational capabilities that is the output from the robot, um, your system. 
And the other would be the, the flexibility towards your business uh, decisions. And I think um, conventional automation, the thing about them is that they, um, they kind of lacked flexibility um, from both aspects. Um, they, you can't actually move it too much and you can't actually increase too much of the throughput once you made it. But uh, the AMR, the best, I think the good thing about AMR is that, and we do have customers that have actually done this. They've, um, they've and I can explain a little bit, but basically they've moved all their solution of their AMR stuff from one warehouse, took it out and brought it to a different site. Uh, we had to draw a new map, right? Um, for the grid of the AMR, but that's basically it. They use the same racks, the same robots, same working station, same PCs, and they just moved it like they would move any ordinary rack to another warehouse. And they started operation just, you know, a couple of days after that. And basically we did that in, in you know, little by little, zone by zone. So what happened was the, uh, the customer didn't have to stop their operation entirely. They had operation going on at, uh, for, you know, throughout the whole proceeds. And all they did was they just wrapped around, you know, plastic wrap around the racks and they stuffed it in a, a truck with the inventory in it already. And they moved it to the next place and they put it on the, uh, on the, uh, on the grid. The robot took it away to the right, right position and voila, um, they started picking uh, already with, that, with a little bit of the zone already in the new warehouse while they're still moving, while they're doing the, uh, the original operation in the, in the previous warehouse. So, so they had a lot of stuff going on in, in parallel, but basically that's that's possible with AMRs. I mean, you don't know if your your business decision towards um, getting a warehouse or DC or fulfillment center in that specific location was a good decision or not um, 10 years later. But even if it proved to be different or something changed, you can move it. So you have this really, really flexible bandwidth towards making decisions. And I think that is one of the, the most crucial aspects of uh, why, why AMR. Um, of course, there's also the added value of, you know, you could add robots to increase the uh, throughput capacity of the system anytime, right? If you, you could just, um, you could just add, you could just add 10 robots and just that won't, uh, you know, that, that it's not, it's, there's not a ratio of, okay, how much robots, so how much throughput, but um, you can add robots and we can do the simulation for you and try to get you to that desired uh, output uh, for the peak seasons. So that's another flexibility. The other one would be the, the added values. I mean, reverse logistics, um, gift wrapping, you know, um, micro-fulfillment centers. There's like these new business models coming up and, and maturing day by day. And you never know what type of added value, value, value added service you are expected of next year or in the ten, next 10 years, right? You don't know what you're supposed to be doing. I mean, uh, smartphones, they, they had like, you know, your headphones in them uh, a while ago, but then the, now you don't put it in the box anymore. You, it's a separate SKU, right? Um, and you have to put it in. It just, it's, there's a whole variety of things that you have to do, especially uh, covering multitudes of industries because actually warehousing covers everything that you actually see in front of you. So food, grocery, you know, electronics, whatever. Now, doing value-added service for all of these 
in each of their form is, is an infinite amount of, um, you know, different types. And you can never guess what you're supposed to be doing in the next 10 years. And this flexibility also is something that AMR has. And all of this collectively, I think, is the, the, the word flexibility that we use. You know, I think it's an oversimplification, but, um, you know, it's, it's a really great value towards having a handle on your business in this COVID-ridden, you know, you don't know what's going to happen next year age that we're currently living in. Um, perhaps traditional automation um, not being available to, to the masses, uh, I guess. Um, so we do a lot of work with third-party logistics companies, 3PLs. Um, and, yeah, when I was in traditional automation equipment sales, uh, it was very rare for them to be able to purchase traditional automation because you, you know, you'd be looking at sort of tens of, of millions of pounds for that automation. And typically it was designed around the end customer. So whoever the end customer was for that particular 3PL um, had a particular storage requirement, had a particular throughput requirement. Um, and um, that's great. But trouble is with the Boston Logistics is the, the contract length with those end customers are getting shorter. You know, the customers don't know where the business is, you know, from day to, one day to the next. So they don't want to be locked into a 10-year contract. And the only way for that 3PL to, to get that cost back from a traditional automation system would be a 15-year contract. Um, so what we're seeing now is, is that the 3PL sector um, can put in an AMR automation system in, which is deployed quickly. Uh, it's also quite adaptable, you know. So if you think sort of like um, a pallet to person, shelf to person type system, um, what sits on top of that bot is quite flexible. So from one minute you could be, you know, have your end customer as you know pure pallet picks, so case to person, uh, and then potentially, and some some clients are even looking at like multi client sites. So you've got different customers within the storage area. Um, so you could be picking full cases off pallets for one customer and then uh, smaller piece picking for, for econ fulfillment for another. Um, and we've, we've got two or three, uh, certainly in the UK, three PLs who, who do have that multi-client environment and that gives them the flexibility. So one, the cost is lower, two, the deployment's quicker. Um, so that I say the 3PL sector are loving the, the concept of AMRs because it's saving all of those labor problems we talked about earlier, um, allowing them to be more cost effective, which then leads to a lower contract rate. So if you, if you can go to your, your end customer and say, well, I was charging you this because I had 50 people on site to be able to do picking and putting away your orders, but actually, I'm going to be now charging you X percent less because I don't only need 10 people. Then that's got to be a pull, and that's got to help that that 3PL business as well win more business. And we're seeing this more and more uh, across that sector, um, especially a lot of e-com startups. They can't afford their own warehouses. They don't want to get involved with distribution, so they go to a 3PL. So all of a sudden, a 3PL which can offer Full automation at a relatively low cost um, becomes a big draw. So that's, uh, 
I, I see as a continued growth over the next few years. The three PLs will grow and grow. They offer a great service, uh, and if that can be automated on top of that uh, with a flexible automation system, then uh, it's a win-win all round, I guess. Simon, you mentioned e-commerce and how this trend in online ordering just seems to keep rising. For companies already using AMRs, how easy is it to ramp up production when it's needed on short notice? Uh, yeah, adding, adding to this, adding robots to the system. Um, yeah, it's pretty easy. Um, so, you know, say for example, you've designed the system around um, sixty robots, for example, and, the, and that works through average peak throughout the year. But during peak, you need another twenty bots. Um, you can again, depending on on region specific, um, potentially they they uh, can be rented. Favorable or whatever but um, the great thing with those induction for each bot he's probably looking about 20 20 minutes half an hour to induct a bot and once it's inducted it's it, it's working on site doesn't need a two-day training course or or induction it's working and it, it'll work 24 7 if necessary as well and um, i think the other so that's like getting extra bots um but the bots are also designed to work 24 7 so a business might um, might be on a single shift operation um, with the bots and, you know, you can go to a, a shift and a half or a double shift, two shifts or even three shifts and those bots will continue working through the day. So it's not like you're going to need an extra set of bots for a second shift. Those bots will continue to work, you know, as long as that throughput is more or less the same. So that's another way of scaling the business without actually any co- any increase in cost and investment apart from the three or four or the, or the number of pickers on each station, which obviously would uh, change for each shift, but the bots would remain the same. So it's pretty, pretty flexible in that sense as well. So flexible, you can even move the system to a new warehouse and get up and running in days. Incredible. Well, thanks for joining us, gentlemen. I learned a lot as always. Yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Really enjoyed to to chat about the industry and, and where the AMR sector is going. Um, I'm happy to have conversations with any any uh, customers looking at all AMR automation uh, in the UK and Irish uh, zones. Uh, yeah, give us a shout. We'd love to have a chat. All right. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us once again. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. When we return for our next edition, we'll spend the episode answering an automation question from our audience, and that question could come from you. If you have any questions for us about automation, our robots, or the logistics industry, please send them in. We're on LinkedIn as Geek Plus. That's a plus sign. Or you can send your questions to team at geekplus.com. That's team at geekplus, spelled out, dot com. Thanks for joining us.